Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Steve Jobs You're listening to Podnuts Pro, your podcast for IT business support. Tips to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Podnuts Pro. I am your host, Marvin B., coming at you live from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where the weather was really nice today. And at this point in the evening, it is a eh, partly cloudy night. 81 degrees, but the real feel is 79. So there is your weather check for this evening. Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This is our regularly scheduled PodNuts Pro Live show, the show that is your podcast for IT business support. We share product stories and tips all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We are going to do just that tonight. This is also a special show. We are co-streaming to a personal Uncle Marv feed because the guests that I have on this evening, Renee and Vincent Catanzaro, are friends of mine. Well, they're both friends now, but Renee was a friend of mine in high school. So this is part of the show where I get to talk to somebody who's almost famous running a nice, successful business, and I can relate it to tech. So that is going to be the show this evening. They are going to help me through a better process of hiring as I look for a service manager. So that should be interesting. So tonight's show is presented by NetAlly. NetAlly is the home of your handheld network testers that make discovery and troubleshooting easier. And I won't be doing a full demonstration tonight, but I do want to tell you I carry the network tools with me everywhere. I even got a chance to use it today. As I was leaving a customer, they asked a question about their Wi-Fi saying that, you know, the people that put on our Wi-Fi say it's just fine, but we have people that come in and every time we try to do presentations, it doesn't seem to work. So I took my etherscope over to the location where the person was sitting doing the presentation, ran my Wi-Fi tester there, and saw that they were right at the edge, about 75 decibels of signal noise, where the quality probably wasn't good for the device that they were on. So I was able to show that to them, take some screenshots of my test, and... Hopefully, they will be getting a new access point. They are not my client. They're somebody that I sub for. But it still is something when you can carry around the tools and they say, hey, can you check this out for me? Yes, I did. All right. So let's see here. We're going to do a little bit of order change up tonight in the show. Normally, I would do announcements here. I would do the news and Florida Man story here. But we're going to get right to it with our guests, and I'm going to bring them on stage right now, and I'm talking about Renee and Vincent Catanzaro. Guys, how are you doing? 
Hey, Marv. It's great to see you again. Hey, good to see you again. Are you great there? Are you, here, Marv. There you are, Vince. I was uh, waiting for you to chat. Uh, so for those of you that are joining us live, uh, you can see Renee and Vincent here. This is the live show for every Wednesday night on PodNuts Pro. This is actually part two. We did a show Monday on part one. It was a little bit more informal, a little laid back. We talked about our history growing up. We talked about how Renee and Vince met and uh, stuff that we're not going to mention on the tech show tonight. But if you want to go back and listen to that show, you'll find that both on the PodNuts Pro feed and the Uncle Marv podcast feed Monday at 8 p.m. It's also in your podcatcher on your favorite podcatching app. So tonight, we're going to do something a little different. So before we get into me trying to hire somebody, let's first tell everybody what your company is and what you guys do. Who wants to go? I'll go ahead and start us off. Yep. Uh, our company is Renee Vincent Executive Placement. Uh, Renee and I are a husband and wife team that do executive recruiting, uh, typically hiring from the director level and above. Uh, we support private equity firms uh, in the financial services industry and the technology industry. All right. And Renee, how long have you guys been doing this together? Well, we officially launched the Renee Vincent organization in January. Okay. So we're in on the cutting edge here. Ground floor. Cutting edge. Can we buy stock? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, you'll be the first first in our market. (laughs) Okay. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the difference because most of the people that – I communicate with in the tech industry that are business owners of, you know, managed service providers. Some of them will have, you know, a few technicians. They'll have a service staff. They'll have admin staff. And when you get to a certain size, you need help hiring. And most of us are used to doing the things that everybody I think is doing, going to LinkedIn or Indeed or career builder or whatever those firms are, but you're a little bit different. You're, you're not exactly a head hunting firm. Um, but what, what's the real main difference for an executive search organization? Well, Marvin, we are certified partners with the predictive index and as certified partners, we're also certified talent optimization leaders. And with that, we use the suite of tools through the predictive index Uh, The Predictive Index was originally uh, created by a gentleman by the name of Arnold Daniels about 65 years ago. It was first implemented through the U.S. Army um, in World War II in regards to some successful completions of missions. They wanted to figure out why and how that team worked so well together. And so it's now a scientifically proven measure of behavioral tendencies in the workplace. Um, It has over 500 validation studies. There's been some 20 million plus assessments that have been issued. And Renee Vincent um, uses the PI to solve business problems through the lens of understanding individuals with data analytics and workplace psychology. All right. So both of these things that you mentioned, the predictive index, and there's another one that I took, is it the, what is it, the job index? Well, that was an inventory uh, skills assessment for the person that you wanted to hire. So we use that predictive index suite of tools 
to then look at talent optimization. So we can use it when we're hiring specifically for a candidate, but it's very important to have the client or the stakeholder hiring manager's input into what type of candidate they're actually looking for so that we can hone our candidate pool. And LinkedIn is a great source. I mean, we find our candidates through LinkedIn. It's just the way that we go about measuring if they're the right fit, um, not just from a skills and ability level, but also from a cultural fit perspective. All right. So let me ask a quick question. And I know you're not prepped for every question I'm going to come up with. That's the beauty of hanging with Uncle Marv. But in terms of when you're seeking candidates, now some of the things that you you know checked off in the predictive index are not things you're going to see on a person's resume, in their bio, in their history. So how do you go about finding those things from those people? So what we typically would do, Marv, right, is as where, um, you know, we, we tend to do outbound searches. So we're not posting ads. We're not advertising jobs. We're selecting who we want to target. And then once we do that and we engage a candidate into an opportunity then we'll do the behavioral assessment, which we've done the skills inventory with the customer. So we have an understanding of what the customer is looking at. And so we can avoid um, making any cultural mistakes. It's almost like, uh, it's like Moneyball, like the movie Moneyball, when they did that with the baseball players, okay. and, you know, tallied up RBIs and on base percentage and those kind of things. So all you're trying to do take the you know, the average successful hire is a 50% hire. It's basically uh, a crapshoot, right? You do, you know, you roll the dice and you either win or lose. Um, so what we're trying to do and what we functionally do accomplish is moving that bar way up into the 90% success rate so that you're not making mistakes hiring. And, All right. You know, as a talent, you know, person and, you know, from both internal companies in the past is the most expensive part of hiring is year one turnover, right? So if you can avoid year one turnover, you're, you're going to dramatically improve your ability to be successful. So instead of just finding somebody that checks off the boxes according to skill set and, you know, salary and all of that stuff, you're looking for somebody that actually can be a piece to the entire puzzle, right? So that, you know, when you put it all together, there's, the correct image showing for your team. Absolutely. Exactly. And we don't issue the PI to just anyone. Um, when we're doing those searches and we're looking typically at passive candidates, ones that aren't searching for positions are usually the ones that, you know, might be the most sought after um, from a perspective of success. And um, if we have been able to engage them, we go through a very um, rigorous qualifying process to understand the candidate, their intrinsic motivators and needs before we put them through the PI assessment. Okay. And we actually have a question from the chat already. And uh, my good buddy, Tom is asking, do you use disc analysis too? And I don't know what that is. We do not. We do not. We're familiar with it. We know that, um, you know, there are a lot of HR companies internally will like to use that. Um, I think that that is also a good tool, especially when trying to help team members understand each other. So it's, you know, there's a a multitude of various um, indexes and um, behavioral assessments and and tools that are out there. Um, 
just like Myers-Briggs. Most people are most familiar with the Myers-Briggs, um, Clifton Strengths. There, you know, there's a multitude of different tools, but we do not personally use the DISC. We are predictive index partners. So. Okay. Now, Vince, we'll give a little bit of a background here, and I know we're not going to go over your bios completely, but you have a background in the tech industry. So for my listeners that are, you know, on the PodNuts Pro side, they're going to wonder, well, how is how is this going to help me, you know, run my managed service business or my computer repair shop? So from your background, just quickly tell us what you did that um, translates into, you know, what you're doing now. Sure. So I grew up in technology staffing, contractor staffing with some of the, the big company, you would know them. Um, you could look up my LinkedIn profile and be like, oh yeah, I know those guys. And uh, so I you know, kind of grew up in the staffing industry, in technology, uh, to the corporate side with Altel Information Services uh, back before Altel was sold. Uh, ended up going back to the agency the business, then ran global talent acquisition for an education technology company called Promethean, and then, uh, you know, made our way to start in this firm. Uh, I would tie it together with the predictive index. The predictive index is just one tool that we use. We thought it would be interesting to show the your audience, you know, how to get benefit. But for example, I had a chief technology officer that when we would hire software engineers, it was a full software team, uh, you know, about a 60-person software team at uh, Prometheus. Uh, under this particular chief technology officer, you know, he had a couple pretty strict guidelines on a predictive index that if candidates didn't meet, we couldn't move them forward, right? And so, uh, you know, above and beyond having the, the proper tech stack and the right, you know, financial uh, match for the for the opportunity. We need to have the right uh, behavioral profile in order to move the candidates into the interview process. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. So I have a need, and I say I I need to find a service manager. I need somebody to help me run the business, manage the the techs and the tickets and all of that stuff. So what is the first thing that that we do? Well, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to show your your behavior profile. Okay. So all your all your just a little bit better. They probably know this subconsciously, but we'll you know, bring it <laughs> to the forefront and the uh, and we'll review your profile. Then we're going to review your um, your skill inventory or your behavior inventory for the actual service manager role, and then we'll do a little quick uh, team building exercise and show how that all works. All right. So uh, we are ready. He's going to lead conversation and I'm going to drive the, uh, all right. The, the screen share. All right. So Marvin, this is your predictive index. Um, one of the things that um, I should mention to you are there's 17 different profiles or indexes within PI and of that, you are the altruist. And the altruist is a congenial and cooperative individual who's efficient <laughs> and precise with his work ethic. You're laughing. Does that not sound like you? Well, I mean, the, the term altruistic, you know, I'm sure some of my audience members will, will laugh at that. But let's go on. Okay. So if you remember correctly, you took two um, different questionnaires in the predictive index assessment. Uh, they're pretty short, um, multiple choice, about five to 10 minutes at the most, um, two different questions. The first set of questions was in regards to your self-concept. 
or your opinion of what others expect of you in the workplace or how you need to adapt, um, how you feel you need to adapt. Then the second set of questions was in regards to yourself, or those are going to be considered your basic motivation and needs, who you are most innately. And what I like about the PI versus some of the others like Myers-Briggs is it pretty much remains unchanged from the time that you're 18 on. So by the time you become an adult, your innate personality and behaviors are pretty much set. And that's what we see on your chart here today. And we're going to be looking at these. You'll see two different charts on the screen now, and you'll see a number of of letters, circles with letters. And I'm going to tell you what those letters are to begin with. We'll see A, B, C, and D on both charts. And what those letters stand for is the A is going to be for dominance. And dominance in the workplace is going to be your drive to exert your influence on people and events. Then we see B, and that's your extroversion trait or your drive for social interaction with other people in the workplace. Then we come down and we see C, which stands for patience in this situation, and that's your drive for consistency and stability. Then we have D, which is for formality, and formality in this perspective is your drive to conform to rules and to structure. So I want to point out that everybody is very individual. So even though you fall into a profile, um, it doesn't mean that everybody within that profile's charts are going to line up. Their letters might not be on top of each other, but you will have a group of characteristics that will be strongly similar. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So when we look at these graphs, you'll also see the blue line at the bottom of each. And Vincent, if you'll, yeah, at the blue line, you also see a midpoint. And that midpoint, if you can imagine that that's the average of a bell curve. And on that blue line, you also see little white hashtags. Each hashtag is considered a sigma. There are five sigmas within a standard deviation. The deviations are shown by those gray vertical lines. So as we go to the right, this would be considered um, a plus one deviation, plus two. And on the left, it's going to be negative one, negative two, and so on. Anything to the right of the midpoint is what we consider a high drive. And anything to the left of the midpoint is what we consider a low drive. High versus low, one's not better than the other. It's just the way your drives show on the graph. Okay. So what we see. Next, what we like to look at is the, the drives that show the points the farthest from midpoint. So you're looking at A and D are your farthest away from midpoint. Do you see that, Marv? I do. So my okay. collaborative and my precise. And you said that the negative is not really a negative? It's not a negative. It's just a lower drive. Okay. So what we see, for example, on your C drive, that's considered patience. So a low patience drive just means that you're driving, right? So you're um, you're more patient. in tune with with say again, Vince. You're impatient. In the last low patience, you want things done faster. Yep. Okay. And you like variety in your work. You might like mobility in your work. It means too that you don't want to do the same routine day in and day out. You like that variety. You could get impatient with those type of you know. Okay. So I'm not really collaborative. Is that what you're saying there? According no, to the chart? No, you are collaborative. Oh, I am collaborative. It's like you're, you're actually, it's your highest drive. Um, oh, okay. You're very collaborative. 
And um, you're also very formal. And formal in this particular um, instance is precise. You're very precise and you're very accurate. And you do that fast. So that's those are great strengths. Okay. So what we see with this particular profile, a little bit more of, is we see communication styles. Um, this extroversion trait is also very high. So we have somebody, and anybody that knows you, Marv, knows that you're um, pretty um, extroverted. Um, you like to use and leverage people and relationships to get work done. Um, you know, when we're thinking about this in a workplace environment. So you're extrovert, extroverted, enthusiastic. Your communication style also might be a little bit more persuasive in nature. And then we look at different things like um, your deformality means that you closely follow up on delegating the details. If you're going to delegate, you want to make sure that it's done right and it's done timely. So you keep that a little bit closer to the cuff, so to speak. Um, with decision making, you tend to bring others into the decision. That's where that collaborativeness comes in. And you also make decisions carefully and cautiously. That D makes you an individual that really keeps the rules, the regulation, the company, and the safeguards in the front and foremost part of, you know, your mindset when doing business. So it makes you a little bit more cautious with risk, it, you, but you, yet you respond well to pressure, if that makes sense. Um, some strengths within this particular profile is you are able to build team cohesion and collaboration. You actually enjoy teaching others as well. Um, you're organized and you're and, and thorough with your follow-up. You're able to be a multitasker. You're able to judge um, or juggle rather multiple priorities. But with these behaviors, you also have needs. And so the needs for somebody with your particular profile is someone that um, needs and appreciates harmony within the workplace, um, opportunities, again, to interact and collaborate with others, and opportunities to handle multiple priorities. And then the behaviors that we see with this profile is someone who's cooperative, sociable, fast-paced, and yet organized, right? So those are some, um, some of the, the needs and behaviors. And then when we think about um, from a workplace environment and what your colleagues might see, um, they're going to see someone that is people-oriented, socially focused. You naturally empathize with people. You easily see their point of view or understanding of their emotions. You're positive and non-threatening in your communication. And that enables you to be a teacher and a sharer, often working collaboratively with others to help in any capacity. Um, and then you're also that cautious with risk. So they might see you as someone that's driven to protect the company against risk by thoroughly leveraging your background and strictly following the book. You're cautious. Um, you follow a well-established and proven plan to avoid making any mistakes. You do the background research necessary to have proof to support decisions before action is taken. What are your thoughts? Do you think that that sounds like you at all? Well, most of it. It is kind of interesting to hear that. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels pretty good to, to hear it the way you said it. So what we see in a summary for you specifically is we find you to be a pleasant and extroverted individual, an effective communicator, someone who is able to stimulate and motivate others. Um, you're a congenial, congenial personality, very friendly with an interested attitude, making you um, readily approachable. You get along easily with a wide variety of people. And I can um, 
testify to that over the many years that we've known each other. Um, your drive is for directing at work, working for others. You derive particular satisfaction um, from doing things for others, um, company management, the team, uh, the company's customers. You're particularly effective as a teacher and communicator of the company's policies, programs, and systems. Again, you work at a faster-than-average pace. You're attentive to details. You're both quick and accurate. Um, you follow up closely to ensure the work um, gets done correctly if you need to delegate. And in, in general, you're cautious and careful. You're respectful of the company authority and traditions. And that's what we find in regards to your motivators, your drives, your behavior, strengths, and needs through the predictive index. Wow. Okay. So what are your thoughts, Marv? Well, I'm sure that most people will probably agree with you. I'm not sure that the wife would agree with you, but uh, <laughs> but it uh, that, that sounds pretty good. It it does sound spot on when it comes to the business and how I view things, and you know, try to make everything work. But you know, obviously, we've got to get things done. I, I do have to pay attention to detail. I mean, my butt's on the line when stuff's got to get done. So, absolutely. And from Kim's perspective, we have to keep in mind that this is workplace drives. So, um, but we can show also a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you and Kim in regards to a working relationship. Oh. And, um, it, it might point out any, um, you know, areas to be mindful of in your communication style with each other. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is obviously what we would do first. You would, uh, get this from the people that are looking to find a piece to their puzzle. So that's what you've done. This is me. Now you can turn this around to say, okay, what candidate fits with this, right? Well, and the reason why we do this, Marv, is because if you're the hiring manager, we have to have you have some self-awareness, okay? So your extroversion trait, you have the sociability to talk things out. But if you're working with a team member that's B is a low drive on the opposite side of the chart, they're very introverted and introspective. They don't want to talk things out. They want to first be told of what they're going to be talking about, when they're going to be talking about it, and they want to get their thoughts together before they talk to you. So some of it is just a matter of self-awareness of yourself and of your team, how you work and relate together to get the work done. So this makes sense, and I'm just going to throw out, I, I was involved in a conversation yesterday where a group of owners were talking about, you know, hiring people, and then, of course, it devolved into, you know, talking about technicians and, you know, putting in their time and communicating, you know, when they're struggling with something or talking about the differences in communication types where, you know, some people – you know, they just want to text an email. They really don't want to talk to anybody. And others, you know, hey, you've got to be able to, you know, communicate not only with the customer, but with, you know, your peers and your bosses and stuff like that. So this falls right in line with the things that we talk about all the time. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and switch over to the role of service manager in the uh, behavioral inventory for this as well. And, uh, I will um, let Renee still drive a conversation, but to switch. Okay. 
Um, so in regards to the skills assessment inventory that you completed for the role of a service manager, uh, the predictive index came back with um, several different profiles that they felt would be the best match. And the individual, um, either an analyzer, a strategist, or controller profile. And with these profiles, you have people that are intense with high standards, disciplined and reserved in regards to their personality, um, somebody who's very results-oriented, innovative and analytical, um, driving for change, and or someone who is detail-oriented and conservative with a high preference for high-quality and technical expertise. So with that, these particular profiles have people that exhibit certain behaviors, um, and those are intense, restless, and driving. So they mirror you in regards to having what we call a low C drive or a low patience drive. And they also enjoy variety within their work, opportunities to work at a faster than average pace, and maybe some mobility within that work. They enjoy managing multiple priorities, taking initiative, um, delivering high-quality products and services. That sounds like somebody I would want. So with that, um, their their behaviors are more proactive in nature. Um, They take the initiative. Um, They can be somewhat competitive, driven to get the things done, Um, positive response to pressure. And they're also careful with the rules, meaning that they're conscientious, they're very thorough, very precise, and concerned with rules and accuracy. Okay. So, Vince, you want to take over from here? Sure. So, I'm just going to bring up the the chart, right, that's similar to your predictive index from having the start point and standard deviations high or low. So, when you went through that behavioral index for what you came back with is you wanted someone that was on the higher side of the and more independent, putting you know, putting forth and pushing to get their will uh, in work, right? Uh, someone who was a little bit more on the reserve side um, doesn't mean that they're not articulate and good communicators, but uh, a little bit more on the thinking, speaking side. Um, you know, your widest one was driving, right? Getting things, getting things done fast, multitasking, and then, uh, and then high formality, high accuracy, high precision. So this is, you know, the, the behavior profile that you'd be looking for. And where this becomes important, if we found someone with all the skill sets, we didn't have a job description in here that we, if you laid out a job description for me and the job description said, you know, we need this person to have these 10 skills or, or, or experiences, but was opposite to what you really wanted, you'd end up being really unhappy with the hire. So I'll let Renee um, talk to you about, we put into the, uh oh, Forgive me. We put into the. We are live. (laughs) That's okay. While he's pulling that up, what we did find from your inventory assessment, though, is that the job required an ability to deal with abstract concepts, systems, and ideas, and all of that in an organized and self-disciplined way. Um, So, you know, again, 
this person, uh, the job is technically de- demanding and strictly business with little need for influential people interaction. Um, central to the job was the need to weigh all decisions carefully and thoroughly based on expertise in order to avoid unpredictable risk. Getting the job done and getting it done right are two equal drivers for this job. So, so I put the uh, Renee and I and yourself, Marv and Kim in as candidates and to align our behaviors to the um for and we can stack rank them and so from a behavioral match you know renee is a nine so if renee had the the experience and skill set that you were looking for she'd be an excellent candidate for your service manager kim she would uh she's like the opposite right where you wanted a high a high D low B low C she's literally the invert. So she, she is a a three out of 10 match for the role. Wouldn't it be the service manager that you were looking for, even if she had the right skills and experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Happy with her. Does that say observer? What is our collaborator is uh, collaborator. Okay. Okay. Um, Renee is a controller. If you haven't, I'm sure you knew that already. I, I wasn't going to say that out loud, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of how you're able to play it into to the job. And, and then I'll show you real quick, right? So Renee mentioned to doing a, a, uh, a relationship guide, mm-hmm. right? So if I put you a high quality match for you and, you know, to hire her all right relationship strengths you know renee i support their ideas and creating a unified front when communicating marvin's perspective to other stakeholders marvin and renee are friendly expressive and engaging in communication readily established rapport also some uh, cautions renee may dominate marvin's (laughs) ideas or concerns may get overlooked Marvin and Renee may interrupt each other and may not suit or may initiate communication when it suits their own individual schedules. Then it gives you like relationship tips. You know, Renee may be the one, but Renee should make sure to let Marvin have the, his say. You know, um, pausing to ask Marvin for reactions or feedback, as well as giving credit and acknowledgement when Marvin has a great idea or suggestion. You know, Marvin and Renee should remember to practice active listening and leave each other's conversations with a clear list of next steps. Mm. So, okay. Multiple We're doing 360 reviews or things like that. This would give you the opportunity to have kind of that one-on-one um, relationship guide that you could, uh, you know, and it works. Renee and I do it with each other too, right? Cause you know, in the workplace differently than our home relationship, you know, we, we are we're different drivers and and we'll end up rubbing up against each other in not such a great way or have struggling communications and we'll have to remind uh, each other hey this is uh let, let's look at you know best ways to communicate so that's uh okay and so to, to as you're gathering candidates and putting them into this you're able to match them up not just with the number guide that you had earlier but you can put that relationship thingy together and show them exactly. 
Yeah, you can put one-on-one relationship guides with team members to help them. We also have um, placards that can be used, um, you know, for example, if they were in cubicles or outside their offices, you know, that would show that you're a high B, so you're the type of person that wants to talk it out. They could pop in and probably just off the cuff ask you what you think. But Vince, for example, might be a low B. So if you saw that outside of his cube, you might say, oh, I better send him an email, ask for a, an appointment time, and let him know what I want to discuss. And, and that can you know, help people, especially that are introspective and introverted, because it might take their energy away from their concentration of what they're doing, and they might lose the capability of doing their work well if they're prone to interruptions. Does that make sense? That does. Okay. All right. And so now I'm looking at something that says work styles. So Vincent? Yeah. So this is the, uh, Vince, you, you, Vince, you may have to started, start over there. You, you, you broke um, up. Vince. Vince, Vince, you, you, you broke up. Oh, so you need I'm so to, sorry. Yeah. Start over for me, please. Sure. Renee, why don't you do the walkthrough and I'll just do the driving. Well, um, let's see. What is it? <laughs> So this particular, this is basically showing the team. And so we're showing the quadrants. Okay. And um, because it's on your screen, guys, and it's very small for me, I'm going to try to look here. The top left uh, quadrant is teamwork and employee experience. The bottom left is process and precision. Then on the top right, we've got innovation and agility. And then on the bottom right, we have results and discipline. So in this particular case, with the four people that we put into this team, you know, we're spread out, right? But we're, we're lacking process and precision. So if we needed to hire somebody or if we needed to move seats for somebody to stretch into another area, we would want them to be someone that could be their nose down, precision-oriented, detail-oriented, not to get frustrated with, you know, doing the same thing day in and day out. Um, that's the person that's lacking right now, if that makes sense. If you see there's that gap in precision and process. Yeah, there's nobody you, nobody in that quadrant at all. Nobody is in that quadrant at all, but you are right on the line. So you could within, most people can stretch comfortably one standard deviation. Remember when we talked about those sigmas and those deviations? Right. Um, the, the, most individuals can comfortably stretch to one standard deviation either way. So you could come into that area. You could do it well, Marvin, but you wouldn't love it. You're very detail-oriented, so you could do that. But because you like variety, you might not you know, love it, but you might be needed in that area to get the work done. Or you hire out for that, and you look at somebody that has those traits. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And it certainly makes sense now seeing it on the graph where Kim is – much further in the quadrant of teamwork and employee experience than I am. And, and I usually, you know, tell everybody she is much more of a people person than I am. So when we see this in larger teams or in organizations, you and Kim both would be what we consider bridge builders. So you might bring other people's ideas, thoughts, and bring different collaborative efforts, multi-departmental group information together and help bridge any gaps. Okay. And I'm going to chase a bunny rabbit here on the right side of that screen. It says that 
the average team size of information technology is seven people. Is that true? Well, I think just to get the best gauge of how a team works, to have enough members in, in different profile styles would give you the idea of what type of team you are and what type of team you want to go to. So, Vince, can you drive through that a little bit? So, Marv, you guys, if this was our team, we would be an adapting team because we, we we are closely covering almost all four quadrants. You know, we can look at and kind of jump on on any type of project. But, you know, with adapting teams, there are strengths to adapting teams and there's blind spots. So 75% of people on adapting teams report that the people on their team understand each other's point of views. Right? That would be a strength. 32% of people on adapting teams are that we those apps and and, and Vincent, build you're going to have to say a, that again. A team that is that, that was broken up. Can you do that again? Thirty-two percent of people. Wi-Fi. <laughs> I need that tool. What tool? What tool was that, Marvin? That you started with the conversation. Well, the tool is going to tell you you need the, better. Uh, you need better coverage. What's what it'll tell you? <laughs> yeah, just go back to the thirty-two percent. Sure. Um, we'll have to go back. It, it basically said 32% of adapting team members um, report that team members are unclear of what their roles and responsibilities are. So then, you know, you could do objectives. So if we were, um, if we were doing, you know, uh, building a team for you, we would important for you. So let's say for your business, hey, and the results in discipline area. And we looked at, okay, so what kind of team do you want to be? All right. We missed that whole thing there. A producing team. And then we can look for ways to close that gaps. I'm so sorry. The uh, But we can identify what kind of team you want to become and then give you strategies on how to become that team that you want to be to hit the objectives that you want to get to. Okay. So that would just be an example of how to use this tool. Yeah. And again, Sorry, you would either move people in their current seats or add people in areas that need to be added. So even though you're looking for position-based hires, you can actually do those positions based on how they will complement or affect the entire team. Absolutely. Okay. So that is interesting. Um, I don't know if we have time, but I'm going to try to get this question in here. Uh, Tom asked another question and can you be successful helping a five person organization as you can with a 500 organization? I would say absolutely. And maybe even more so because it's so critical to get those foundation members correct to begin with. And to get that leadership style and cultural match to begin with so that those leaders can then emulate down as you grow, right? So you want to emulate from the top down in regards to your, your branding, your personal brand, your corporate brand. And when you're able to do that and put the right people in the right seats to begin with, then that helps and builds that culture as you grow. Okay. So now we've gone through all those processes. We've identified, you know, 
my index and Tim's index and what we're looking for and stuff, how do you go out and actually find those people? Is that just something you just, you know, accumulate a database of, you know, people and executives and stuff and you keep that or do you have to go searching for those when the job comes up? Vince, do you want to take that or would you like me to? I'll go ahead and sure. take that. I'm just so afraid I'm going to break up. So <laughs> yeah. the, uh, yeah. All right, go ahead. I was just going to say it's both, Marvin. Obviously, we have relationships, Vincent, especially being in the IT field for, you know, 30 years now. Um, he's got a lot of um, resource connections just um, through that time. And then, you know, we do have special platforms, recruiting platforms through LinkedIn that we utilize. We're able to do um, deep dive searches based on certain skill sets. Uh, we can also do those searches based on um, competitors. Um, if you know of people that are doing the similar work and you know that their particular employees would be a good match, we can look at companies and then we can you know, talk with those candidates, do, like I said, that initial interview to qualify them on their intrinsic motivators of why they might look to make a change and making sure that it would be a good cultural match and then following it up with the predictive index tools to ensure that the behavioral drives and their strengths and their needs are going to match up culturally as well as with skills and abilities in in the workplace for the role that you have a need for. Okay. Now let me go back and ask another question. These are tests that we ourselves have to fill out. You know, you you sent me the predictive index. I was the one that selected all the boxes of what I thought and stuff. How often do you have people that are just not in sync with what the results say when they're like, that's, that's not me. How can that be? I, I shouldn't be in that quadrant. I've never had that situation. Um, Usually I have an, an high level executives um, down to, you know, lower level. It's either, it is so spot on, it's scary. Or, you know, like you said, you know, I agree with most of that. Yeah. And um, I don't know, Vincent, have you ever had anybody that has said, that's not me. No, I, I think what happens is that people would feel like, oh, hey, I this says I'm low detail, but I love the details, right? And and that very well may be true. Like you want accuracy, but you'd be most likely to delegate details. Now, and, and to that to point, I have had details. that come up, and I've even had that come up with um, with Elise, um, our friends Elise, and. Um, you know, what happens is, is with these, these profiles, when somebody hears that, you know, their extroversion trait, for example, is higher than their detail trait, and they're like, but I'm all about the details. Well, that might be true, and they might be very good at the details, but in truth, their, their most driving um, strength or dominant factor at extroversion. So even though they can do the details, they're more strongly driven to do the work in your example for, you know, for you, for example, and Elise too, that extroversion trait working with and through others to get the work done. So um, it doesn't mean that they, they don't look at the details because you're obviously a very detailed person, but you're also a very extroverted person. So you, you just balance those out. Well, I can tell you this. So from what you showed me, I know that that gels from what people tell me all the time. So that's why I could say, yeah, that sounds about right because people have said that. Whether you know I believe it or not, that's that's what it is. 
Uh, we have another question here I'd like to get in, and let me make sure I do this properly. Uh, Dawn has come in, and Dawn is in our industry. She is a rising star, and her question is, when you have IT people that can look at how to fool the test based on what we think you're looking for, how do you figure that out in the hiring process? So, so I guess that's kind I, of like the question I asked is what if what if we check the wrong boxes? Well, I feel like the way that the test um, is administered, or I should say the assessment, um, it's not asking um, for particular ideas of IT um, perspectives. It's really asking you in regards to things you think about yourself and what you hear others people, you know, think about you. And so it's based off of that. I don't, you know, I, I don't know that you, the thing is, is that um, novelty is important. If you've taken the test once and you get a result, then if you take it again, the results won't be as accurate. Uh, so the initial test is going to be the one that you always want to refer back to, at least in regards to, the, the self, but the self-concept can change based off of what you're doing, current project, um, management team, um, things like that. That might be something that we look at more frequently, but um, I, I don't think that this is a way that you can fool this kind of, you know, this kind of test. Vincent, do you have any? Well, you know, I'm breaking up so bad, so I apologize. I think that, you know, it, it's, I mean, people can probably try to game it. I don't know why they would want to, you know, the, um, you know, I, 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 the test basically says, Hey, be yourself, answer honestly. You know, if there's dishonesty in the candidate, you know, through reference checks and other things like that, we should try to identify it, you know, but um, you know, I, I guess anyone can try to game the system, but, yeah, the but the candidate doesn't know. Mm-hmm. The candidate might not know what you're looking for in that particular role. Well, from both sides, as as the person that's looking to make the hire, I'm going to want to be as accurate as possible because I want to find the best teammate to join the team. So I can't imagine that gaming the system would really work in our sense. And you're right, the candidate – now, the candidates probably don't even know what jobs they're looking at, Right. Well, I mean, the candidate doesn't know um, when I'm talking to candidates, I don't let them know what company uh, that I'm looking at them for until I'm ready to move. You know, it, it's down the process. We've done an interview. They've done the PI. I've reviewed their PI. I've aligned and made sure that, you know, what they've shared with me and and what we've gained from the PI versus what's showing on the um, LinkedIn, um, all you know, matches up and it's not until that I'm ready to put them forward to the client that I will, you know, have a right to consent agreed to with the candidate. And it's at that time that I let them know who the company is and not before. So there's not really any way that they could say, Oh, I know, you know, I know the team over there. I know that they, they've really had problems with Joe and that's why he's gone. And he was like this. So if I, answer opposite of Joe, then I'll get the position because they don't know. And again, each company or organization is, is different and has different team members and has different needs. And you're not privy to that unless you're the hiring manager. Right. 
Okay. All right. So I think Vince has taken a break and going to try to adjust his Wi-Fi. And yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll do that. But in the meantime, well, I'm, I'm, gonna... I'm still here. I just went off camera. Okay. Um, so I'm going to put up your website there, ReneeVincent.win. So anybody that is watching or listening and you are looking to make a hire and you want to use this process because the ones in the past just haven't worked. You've hired people that are gone after a week, a month, three months, and you want to try something different. This might be the thing to do. I'm also going to have their guest profiles uh, on the show notes page. So if you head over to podnutspro.com and see that their names will be associated with this podcast. You can go in and look at their profiles and then uh, give them a contact. Uh, Any other things that you want to mention before we start to end off the show here? I'm trying to think. Um, That was pretty intense. I was going to say something came to my mind and then it it slipped out as you continued to, to, to share what you were sharing. Um, I was afraid you were going to cut me off. So I, (laughs) (laughs) Now I've got that I've got that ammunition now in my back pocket. <laughs> now we just thank you for the opportunity to share what we do, and um, we really enjoy doing it. I think to the point is um, once again, it's all about a cultural match. If we have the person that has the talent and the ability, but we put them in the wrong shop, they can be toxic, and um, that's going to not work for anybody. So we want to ensure that the hiring manager and the candidate, it's a good fit with the team, with the culture of the organization, because uh, we want everybody to be happy. And, um, you know, we're really uh, motivated by long-term relationships and, you know, just building upon that. So we want to make sure that we get it right. It's not just a, a one and done with us. So, And, and we I also think- just... I'm sorry. We we also ensure that if an individual doesn't work out within a company that, um, you know, we help replace that person just to ensure that it's done right. And, and for the long term. All right, Vince, go. I was going to say the, uh, no, the inventory that you did, you know, you, you were the only one who did it, but if there was an interviewing team, we would have the whole team do it. And then we would find misalignment up front and get everyone aligned prior to interviewing. So if you've ever been in a situation where you can't get the people who do the interview to agree, it's because they're actually looking for different people, even though the skill set's the same. Mm. That, that's got to be fun. Yes. No. <laughs> Is this thing on? Well, it's just, again, it's that self-awareness. And that's why we do, that's why we like to have people like you in the hiring spot um, do your own assessment so you can have some self-awareness, right? And right. then to do the inventory so that there's awareness in regards to what you're looking for in a candidate. And if you are working with other stakeholders, that everybody is in alignment because oftentimes, as Vince says, you know, people think they're wanting the same individual, but they're not. Um, they have different drives and motivators themselves in regards to what they think that position um, should be skilled at. All right. Something to pay attention to when you're going through the process. All right. So Renee and Vince, thank you very much. We are going to continue on with the show. We normally do this part of the show at the beginning. But I wanted to make sure we did not run out of time. So we are going to go. 
in the news. So it has been reported that ransomware has affected up to 72% of organizations in the past year. SpyCloud is a research organization that has just reported an overwhelming majority of cybersecurity leaders say that 81% believe their organization's security is above average or exceptional, while at the same time, 72% reported that their organization was affected by ransomware at least once in the past 12 months. And then within that, 18% report that they were impacted more than six times in the past year. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'll have a link into the show notes and you can go back and look at that. But I will have an adjacent story that a free Chinese VPN exposed data from over 1 million users. So a company called QuickFox has a free virtual private network primarily used to access Chinese sites from outside of mainland China. And the reason I am bringing this up is because I know some of you accuse China of spying, but then you're going to go use their VPN. Well, <laughs> that's just not right. So commenting on the find, WizCase says that the data exposed a variety of personality, I'm sorry, of personally identifiable information, or PII, of the users of their service, including their names, phone numbers, and more. There was no need for a password or login credentials to see this information. The data was not encrypted. So that is just something to think on if you're looking for free VPN stuff. And before I get into the Florida Man story this evening, I want to say thank you to listener Bob who sent me an email trying to submit his Florida man story of a Florida man arrested for trying. Oh, I'm sorry. His story was Florida man indicted for shooting down sheriff's office drone. And that was in the running last week before we went with the Naples man who scared kids at a local library. And that was in honor of John Dubinsky, another Florida man who is leaving the tech industry R.I.P. John. Tonight's Florida man story. A man was arrested for trying to rob a Waffle House with finger guns. Madison County Sheriff's Office deputy said Edward Rodriguez was arrested for an unarmed robbery and assault. An employee with the Waffle House called 911 after the incident. Deputy said that no one was injured and the suspect got into a car and left the parking lot. Multiple deputies responded and witness told them that a white man wearing a gray hoodie, dark jeans and a dark hat went into the Waffles house with his dog. The suspect said he was high and drunk before grabbing some napkins and walking out after he started shouting, get on the ground. Y'all are getting robbed, pointing his finger guns at the staff. So that is going to be fun. That is your Florida man story for the evening. Renee, Vince, you guys, I didn't tell everybody that you live in Georgia. And you now have the option of competing with a Georgia man story. Or would you like to just simply answer a random question? A random question, Mark. <laughs> <A random> question. <laughs> I don't think I can top the, the Waffle House finger gun story. Okay. All right. So... 
Let me get this in. I'm going to have you both ask the same question. And let me first pull up my random question generator. And there we go. And our question for tonight is, click here. What's something interesting about you that few people know? This should be fun. I guess I'll start. I don't know how interesting this is, but, um, you know, you know me as Renee. My first name is actually Juliet. Um, I never, yeah, I never went by Juliet. Um, my family always called me Renee and, um, teachers would sometimes try to call me Juliet. And so when I lived in another state, when we moved and the teachers kept calling me Juliet, I said, you could call me Julie. So I actually still have friends that call me Julie. Um, but I've always been known to you. Uh, as Renee, and not everybody knows that my first name is Juliet, but our firstborn daughter now holds that as her first name. So very interesting, and you know that I had to, you know, catch myself sometimes because I would call you Frappaport, and uh-huh. you know, go to introduce you, and would forget your first name. So I didn't know either of them. <laughs> there you go. You're so intense on that on <laughs> nickname. All right, and Vincent. Uh, What's something interesting about you that few people know besides your Wi-Fi sucks well, in your well, basement? Hopefully you can hear me, Marv. I know I'm, I'm breaking up. Yeah. Besides that, the, uh, the I, I mean, I'm such an open book, I guess maybe for the listeners, I am, um, I'm a, I'm a Bronx kid. So I was and he loves West side story. How about that? Did you hear Bronx any of that? No, we didn't. No. So even fewer people are going to know. <laughs> so, Renee, Bronx Renee helped out. You like, story, you like West side story. Okay. All right. Did you, was, uh, there, was there something else to it, Vince, that you wanted to, to share? No, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, my Wi-Fi is not strong enough to handle uh stream yard. That's what I've learned. All right. I'll get emails and comments about that later, but I'll take the I'll take the hit for you, Vince. Don't worry about it. All right. So that is it for the show, guys. I want to say thank you for hanging out. Let me grab my closing statements here. Uh, I should let the listeners know that currently, right now, I am not planning a live show for next week. And the reason is I am going to be in Orlando at the ASCII Success Summit. I will be there with our good friend, Mike Smith. We are going to be there for Wednesday and Thursday. That is October 27th and 28th. If you are near Orlando and want to come by, the event is free. So you can still head over to ASCII Success Summit or ASCIEvents.com. I'll have the link in the show notes so you can still get uh, into the conference for free. You can see not just ASCII people, but vendors, other technicians, and we can sit and chat. Um, Mike Michalowicz is going to be the keynote speaker, and he is going to be focusing on one of his books, Fix This Next, The Ultimate Business Owner's Tool to Find the Right Fix, uh, Identify, Resolve Core Needs, Pinpoint the Foundational Level, Find and fix again, all of that good stuff. So Mike Michalowicz, many of you know him from a couple of years ago. He was at the ITO Compass in Chicago where we all got books signed by him, The Pumpkin Plan. So I may be taking my book up there and having him sign that. 
So next week, that's what will be happening. I will be doing some podcasts while I'm there. We'll be interviewing some ASCII members, some of the vendors there. I just don't know when those will air. And then we will be back the following week. And I believe the guest, uh, let's see. I'll go ahead and take a quick gander over here and ruin the audio podcast here. But the next guest, November 3rd, my good friend, Bradley Gross, uh, the attorney for your IT industry. We will be talking contracts and sharing some wonderful stories of how the managed service agreement has saved my butt. That should be fun. So, all right, guys, that's it for this show. I want to say thank you to Juliet Frappaport <laughs> and Vincent Catanzaro. Thank you guys very much. Again, their website, ReneeVincent.win. If you are looking to make a better hiring process, look them up. And I do want to say thank you to our presenting sponsor, NetAlly. And I also want to say thank you to John Reed over at Computers Done Right. He is our live streaming sponsor so that we can put this up on StreamYard that is apparently not compatible with Wi-Fi. So we'll have to work on that. That is going to do it for this episode, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in and watching. We'll see you here back soon. And until then, holla. Holla.